You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we take our first trip to the great state of New Mexico and sit down with the athletic director at Los Alamos High School in Los Alamos, New Mexico, Miss Ann Stewart. Ann has returned home to lead at the school she graduated from and has become a presence at both the state and national levels of athletic administration. We had a great time learning from her and talking about the upcoming National Athletic Directors Conference in Nashville, Tennessee this December. Let's settle in and get to know Miss Ann Stewart. Coach Stewart, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. Now, we have made it to New Mexico for the first time. Finally, we have a guest from the land of enchantment. I actually looked that up to find out what the uh, nickname of New Mexico was there. So, hey, thanks for taking time to join us today. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Good, good. So for our listeners, Ann Stewart is in year nine as the athletic director at her alma mater, Los Alamos High School in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and also serves as a state coordinator liaison for testing for the New Mexico Athletic Directors Association. Plus, she's a valuable member of the NIAAA Conference Advisory Committee. But I'll stop right there and let her tell us a little bit about about her journey through the world of athletics. And, And we like to start the show with what we call the back of the baseball card bio, so could you take a minute, tell us what the back of Ann Stewart's baseball card might look like? Well, I am at my alma mater. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing to do, I guess, um, coming back to uh, where I started my athletic journey. And I played soccer and basketball here in high school. And um, I went on to play college soccer for a year until I got hurt and I, my teaching and coaching career kind of took me all over the state of New Mexico. And about 10 years ago, it brought us back here to New Mexico and I was teaching and coaching. And then um, our former athletic director, Vicki Nelms, decided she was ready to, to get out of here. And she went to Oregon and I was able to step into her, her shoe. I can't feel her shoes, but um, I took the job and uh, it's been a, a wild ride ever since, but it's been interesting. So that's kind of my, my role, you know, my journey here. Um, I, I, like I said, I taught and coached several different places around the state of New Mexico and, but my whole teaching and coaching career has been in New Mexico. Yeah. So let's uh, stay right there if you don't mind. And uh, just kind of share some thoughts on coming back to your alma mater. There may be some athletic directors listening who are considering a a position uh, at their high school alma mater. Uh, You, as you mentioned, are a Los Alamos graduate. Now you've been back there serving in leadership for several years. How was that transition coming back home as the AD? And what tips can you share that would help someone understand the dynamic of taking over as athletic director at the school from which they graduated? Um, I think for me, it was, it was really exciting. I I think just, there were even a few teachers that were still around and it was, when I got back here was 20 years after I graduated, I graduated in 91. So 
it was neat that there were a few teachers left. You know, I, I think it could be a little bit different for somebody who had only been out of, you know, high school, five, 10 years, you know, where they're coming back right away could be a little bit different where, you know, teachers could may not have that respect right away, but I taught here a couple of years, taught and coached, and then was able to step into the role. So I got to know people a little bit and from a different angle and then, and then step in. So I was doing a little bit, I wasn't a Dean of students um, per se, but I was doing some administrative work and help within the office before I stepped into the role as well. So it's a little bit different, but I was, I kind of stuck my feet in the water and, and got, you know, tested the waters a little bit before stepping into the role. Yeah, I can, I can speak to that. I, I've, left college, graduated college, and went right back to my high school. My first job was at my high school. And I was teaching with people that had taught me. You know, I mean, you know, the whole staff was pretty much the same staff. Uh, and my and my dad was in working in the building as well, which is a whole nother element because my whole life I, and that's Jerry Don's boy. That's Jerry, he, he's he's down the hall coaching, you know, it, it was it, it was it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be because you know in my mind I'm, I'm coming home and it's a but it's it's kind of a different dynamic because of the way that they see you you know the last time you were there you were you're not that far removed from there and so I think that did, that separation helped you out you know a little bit I think I agree I I think I was able to to come in in a different little different light just because of the time right all right and um. Let's let's jump around a little bit here. Jump back to something that I know you spent a lot of time on, and it's coming up, and that's the upcoming National AD Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in December of 2022. Here, you do serve on the NI Conference Advisory Committee, as we noted in the intro. What can you share about the upcoming conference? What would you like to share with us? And we know that many of us have already signed up and registered. I know Don and I. Uh, we're almost packed and ready to head north. Nice, easy drive for us. Uh, much different than yourself uh, coming from all the way across the country. But what can you share to encourage ones who haven't registered where they'll go register today and uh, get excited about the conference just like we are? I think the conference is something that anybody who's in our shoes should try to get to every year, whether it's just to go and meet other ADs or take classes get in and, and listen to the different ideas that are coming from different ADs. I think one of the biggest things Vicki pushed with me was going to that every year and getting involved in the NIAAA and realizing that the things that we deal with day to day are things that all other ADs are dealing with across the country. And we can get ideas from each other of how to help our jobs and help make things easier or better for us in our different roles, whether we're, you know, in New Mexico or in New York or Florida or Washington, wherever we may be across the country. You know, I've talked to many different people about issues and whether they're, you know, when I was a brand new AD and I talked to somebody that was, you know, a highly respected AD in the country. And he's like, and you can, he turned around and he's like, you could pull any number of knives out of my back and people that, you know, doesn't matter how long you've been doing this, people are still going to, you know, stab you in the back or 
deal with things. So I think the, the, the national conference just gives you a time to really kind of get with your people and, and socialize and talk and learn, um, everything that we do. It's, it's kind of a, one of those places that we don't have that a whole lot within our profession. And it's, it's a great place for us to do that. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Hey, could you give us a kind of a behind the scenes look at what being on that committee looks like, uh, maybe throughout the year, maybe at the conference, what, what all are you, do you have your hands on? And I know there's several of you on that committee, but what does it look like to be on that uh, conference advisory committee? It's trying to pick the right speakers for the committee. It's seeing what went well, what didn't, um, how things um, progressed. You know, when we ended up having to go online, do the, the conference virtually, you know, kind of a lot of plus delta kind of things from, from conference to conference, um, talking to people and seeing what they liked and didn't. Working on, you know, the, the agenda, the talking and trading and, you know, some of those things where just, you know, kind of the overall general planning and, and organization of the conference. The, the NFHS does a lot of that in conjunction with the NIAAA. So they, you know, the, the groups in Indianapolis, they really plan a lot of it. And those of us, we're just kind of, really, it is just advisory. Hey, this, this is what we see from our, our chair, but, you know, here's the speakers, here's agendas, those types of things. That's good. Now you mentioned that collaboration piece uh, a little bit about being involved, going to that national conference, but you've served in this role uh, of athletic administration for over eight years. Uh, what has being involved at not just the national level, but your state level done for your leadership personally? I know that I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who has just taken his first AD job ever. Uh, and he's definitely, you know, he's drinking out of a fire hose, like a lot of us. And, you know, and I told him, I was like, you need to lean into our state association, lean into the NIAAA, the most collaborative community that I've ever been a part of. Right. And I think that a lot of times we think that, Something happens to us and we're like, man, that's never happened before. Yes, it has. It has happened to somebody else and they have dealt with it. And if you get involved, you can find that out. And it's definitely comforting uh, as we're trying to navigate this gig. But I'd love to know what it's done for you personally. I think for me personally, it's just it's given me some confidence. It's given me some leadership skills you know, the, the collaboration and realize, again, realizing we're not in this alone, talking to people and finding out what they've done. That that's really what it's given me is, is that camaraderie of people that we can talk to each other to try to come, come together and find out how do we solve some of the, the problems that we have and, what we do in our job is not what the assistant principals or principals do in theirs. I mean, here at our school, we, we kind of joke about it. They don't have a clue what I do in my job where, yeah. you know, in my training, I came up, you know, and I had to go through education administration where I could step in to some extent right. and help with their job. Mm-hmm. They could, there's no cross training for them to do right. Yeah, there's only one person with athletic director. There's 
usually multiple people with the assistant principal beside their name. Right. So, right. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. It's uh, we, we, we're the only ones that do what we do and we love it. Uh, but the best way to help ourselves is to collaborate with folks uh, around us locally, statewide, nationally, and uh, the national conference is a great way to do that for sure. So, and we would be remiss if we didn't jump in and talk about Title IX a little bit. Uh, it is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, as everyone's aware. Just celebrated that this summer. Uh, we've been fortunate this year to speak to uh, numerous female ADs to discuss this topic. And we've gotten some very interesting viewpoints from uh, different female ADs from across the country, uh, especially when there's uh, a female in the space of high school athletics. So what have been your thoughts and reflections on this golden anniversary of this significant legislation that we uh, call Title IX? Uh, I think with Title IX, it's just, it's great to see where, you know, female sports have come. And the fact that I, I look back at a co couple of our sports, even yearbooks from just before I was in high school where, you know, I'm going to choose girls soccer. They really were playing with the boys. And then they now all of a sudden we get a girls soccer team. And that kind of started it here at our, our high school, really maybe as late as mid eighties, which doesn't go back, you know, the full 50 years. And so it was kind of a slow process, but I think just seeing that equity come into the female sports world. And I mean, obviously we're not quite there, but it's at least making progress. And we're seeing some of those things where, you know, the, the girls sports are really picking up and we've, our girls wrestling program is starting to take, take shape where, you know, it's not as big as the boys, but we've got a great female wrestling coach who was a four-time collegiate national champion. So she's trying to build a program. You know, I, I think trying to get more female coaches where they see that role model and, you know, trying to build the female sport as much as possible, not just having male coaches, you know, I think just any more, any female role model that the girls can see can help them. But I love to see the progress over my time in sports in the last 40 plus years, just seeing that, you know, the opportunities are out there. I love to see, you know, I think the, the national team won in 91, which was my senior year. And, you know, I, I wish I hadn't gotten hurt just, but seeing where that went, because that was always my goal was to, to play on the national team. And I don't, I don't know that I would have ever made it there, but, you know, and seeing where, you know, women's soccer has made it to today and, and the push that they're making to, to get that equity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm glad you. Yeah, I was going to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but I think it's a good point. You you mentioned, and I'd heard you say this. I, I didn't think I was mistaken that you played collegiate soccer, um, and you mentioned that at Los Alamos, the the I, I don't know, I don't think the right word is desegregation, but obviously it's the splitting of girls playing with the boys. There was in in girls soccer. Uh, now, do you believe that Title Nine? Uh, opened up a door for you to get to be able to play collegiate soccer. 
uh, because it was the first sport there at Los Alamos that allowed, you know, girls to have a separation? Um, it could have. Uh... Obviously, you were good enough to play at the D1 level, so people were probably going to find you, but it's just interesting you mentioned that girls' soccer was kind of that first sport in Los Alamos, and it led to a collegiate career for you. It was one of those, and I don't know that it was the first one. I just remember okay. that was they were playing with the boys really late, and um, and I don't know how, if that had to do with coaching or not. But I, I mean, I grew up playing with the boys, and that could have been more me because that was where I just I grew up playing with the boys, whether right. it was soccer, basketball, and then finally it was split at some point in time. But um, just in general, um, but I think it very well could have. Um, than what allowed me to do that. That's cool. I think you bring up a good point too, that, that I think some people think, okay, title nine happens and that we flipped a switch and it was wide open. So I'm originally from South Georgia. Soccer didn't make it to South Georgia until the mid nineties. Right. You know, and, and I had a really good friend of mine who was, uh, she played soccer. They would have to drive to Atlanta every weekend so that she could, find a team that she could play with. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely uh, an evolving process, even still today, you know, as we look at, at sports like flag football and, and adding different opportunities uh, for girls out there. And again, I know I've said it on here a lot and people probably get tired of me saying it, but I'm just, she's mine. I'm going to keep saying it. I've got a very athletic minded daughter and she's eating all this up. I mean, like the different, the ability for her and she, she has to talk to my mom to really get a, a sense of it. But the idea that she can do whatever she wants to do uh, and there's a support system in place to make sure that she can succeed in doing so, I think is, is uh, that's the cherry on top. Now, and let's kind of shift gears just a little bit. Let's talk facilities for a second. In March of 21, you all cut the ribbon on a $5.8 million field house. Uh, could you maybe talk about that project, maybe some lessons that you learned that you could pass along to others who are looking to do something similar. Now that you look back on it, maybe, I don't know if you want to do this or definitely do this. So that was a long time in the making. Um, again, and I keep going back to Vicki. Vicki had that on her wish list when she was here. And our stadium really had no, we had nothing. We had a concession stand, we had our bleachers, and we had a bathroom facility. And if we had a storm, you had to walk across a metal overpass to get back to the gym to get out of the lightning. Mm. Um, so for a lot of safety reasons is why we needed a facility over there. Um, our, our press box was built in the 50s, I think, um, and had a spiral staircase to get up to it, a, you know, kind of a rickety floor. So it was just a long time in the making and our original budget, I think was $1.7 million when we went to it for the bond. I think we overshot that a little bit. <laughs> you did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we ended up with a facility that has locker rooms, restroom, concession stand, ticket booth, which <laughs> I, I wish COVID would have happened before the ticket booth because, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're not using our ticket booths because we're doing all online. online right, ticket. right. Yeah, they make um, good storage rooms, right? <laughs> right, yep. We've got a lot of extra storage now. Um, and we have a, had a storage facility built into it as, and our uh, athletic training room we added into it. We put a in a spirit store. So 
we were dragging this thing across the street that had all of kind of our spirit gear. So we built that into it. I think if there's something and you at school that sells spirit wear, that is one of the best things to put into a facility that you can sell right there at your stadium. I, I went and saw that at a couple of schools as we were driving around looking at facilities before we bought or before we built this. And that was awesome to be able to put in and have it right there. So we have one in our gym and at our field. I wish it had a room like, you know, almost an office or, you know, a viewing area of the field that it doesn't have. It's not like it has a weight room or anything like that. Um, doesn't have any seating area. So it's not a, what probably some people look at as a field house, but that's what we called it. Mm-hmm. And we made it match one of our buildings across the street and on our main campus. So aesthetically it, it blends in. Um, but it, it was, it was quite a process. I'd never really been involved in the, the construction part of things and then trying to build it during COVID and some of the delays there um, running into, you know, what's underground and the, the rock that was hit and added time basically trying to get through that and plumbing issues and it was it was interesting um, well it's it's a beautiful facility I, I can tell you that much just from the the little bit that we were able to see uh prior to to getting ready for today and so kudos to you guys and i think the the stuff that you mentioned there the the idea about a spirit shack and if you've got the the ability to put that in in something like that that's near a gate or near where you're having games i think that that's genius i had a uh, a mentor of mine when he he took a head football coaching job at a school here not too far from here and he did kind of what you had before it was on wheels and there was some there was some ingenious in that too because because it was on wheels that thing showed up everywhere right he was able to kind of take it everywhere but for those of you that are listening and you're you're in that planning stages i think that something like that um is, is a really really good addition for sure now uh, I recently saw on your athletic department Twitter feed, you retweeted a clip of Duke women's basketball coach uh, Kara Lawson speaking about this idea that if we just wait around long enough, things are going to get easier and how that's just not reality. And in fact, it doesn't get easier that we must learn to handle hard better. That is one of my new favorite phrases, right? I absolutely love the clip. Uh, I feel like it speaks to what we do as athletic leaders. Maybe could you speak to that idea and and how you handle hard better when faced with adversity or when 10 minutes into your day, something happens that could really derail it if it's not handled a certain way? Well, I I got that clip again from Vicki um, trying to deal with kind of one of our things this year with coaches, with parents, with our community and the athletes is trying to create better relationships with everybody. And, um, when I saw that, I really, I was looking for different things to do with our captain's table this year. And that's the first thing I'm going to talk about. And I, I, I sent that and I, you know, reshared that on Twitter because that's the first thing I'm going to show them. And, and I think that is true for anybody that we kind of just keep thinking, you know, for us now it's August. Oh, I can't wait till May. Or I can't wait till December or, you know, whatever, because it's just going to get easier. Well, it never gets easier. It's just it's always something, you know, it's always the next thing. And, you know, we get to May and then it's all of a sudden it's August again. So, 
we, you just figure out a way to, to keep dealing with what comes next. And, um, I just, I listened to that and I used to be a huge Vols fan. I loved Pat Summit. I was a basketball person. And I think her 12 steps that she had were awesome. I think, you know, Kara Lawson learning from her probably she somehow may have learned that there, but I think dealing with the hard and just becoming better from it anytime, if I can pass that on to these kids, because, you know, we live in a pretty affluent community and I think sometimes they think that things are just going to be handed to them and they get out in the real world. You know, I growing up here and then getting out in the real world and getting away from here a little bit. This isn't the real world. We live in like this microcosm that the real world is out there and you have to learn to deal with the hard and things get thrown at you and how are you going to handle that? So I think us learning how to teach the kids that, you know, our first thing, and I think probably everywhere with with the kids and learning how to handle a little bit of adversity, teaching them to talk to their coaches is the first, instead of sending mom or dad to, to handle the problem, they got to learn to talk to the adults. Yep. And because they're only here for four years and they get out in the, to the, to the collegiate world or the work world and there's a problem, they have to learn to handle it and know how to talk to people. And that's not easy to do. And I mean, I, none of us like confrontation but you have to learn how to deal with it, I think. So yeah, that, that clip I just loved. And I thought we really could learn a lot from it. I actually might figure out how to put it into my parent meeting as well. I just had already done something with that. Cause I think still it could go in with that as well. You know, and not only, not only what to get back to what you were talking about with the NIAAA and, and learning and everything, it's not just about that things are going to get harder and you've got to be tougher, but to be vulnerable as well, right? That mm-hmm. I, I don't know. How many times during the pandemic do we raise our hand and go, dude, I don't know. I, like we're going to have to just kind of work through it. And I think that that's, that's another piece to that. When it gets tougher, sometimes it's you raising your hand and going, I need some help. Uh, I think that that's, that's uh, another part of that. Yeah, I think you make a good point of something that we need to focus on with our kids is Talk, how to teach them to how to talk to their coaches and talk to adults. And my wife teaches, uh, she's an adjunct professor uh, at a college, at the college level and some science classes, obviously all online. And uh, she had a student send her a message recently had, uh, you know, it was just one run on sentence, no punctuation student wasn't doing well. And uh, just, just was very, very elementary written and, um, you know, it's just, it just reminded me of how many of these kids at the high school level have never had the experience to talk to an adult, uh, formulate sentences, formulate grammar, uh, and, and have a conversation. So that's something I think we need to add to our uh, to-do list probably is to have our, teach our kids how to talk to adults there. Now, and one more question before we get to our two-minute drill. You've served in this role as AD for a number of years now. You've obviously seen the good and bad when it comes to the time the AD role takes, what time management tips would you say have helped you be more efficient and more effective as an athletic administrator? I think trying to make lists, uh, have a to-do list every day. And maybe at the end of the day, and this doesn't always work for me, but at the end of the day, what are the first things I need to do the next day? 
you know, I kind of keep a running to-do list and check things off as I get them done. And really that's the best thing I've learned is, is trying to have to-do lists. Cause if I try to keep things in my mind, they, I flush it. And so I may have a to-do list on my phone. I may have a written to-do list, but I find that if I don't write it down, we have, so we're going in so many different directions that if I don't write it down, I may lose it. I've, had an AD that he could be interrupted mid-sentence, talk about something else for five minutes and come back exactly where he stopped. And I don't know how he did that. It amazed me every time, but I don't function that way. Everybody knows it's like, you know, and has squirrels everywhere and I can't keep up with them all. So that's just something I know about myself that I I've got to write it down or I'll tell everybody, somebody will talk, stop me and talk to me. And I'm just like, send me an email, send me a text. So just so I have something to, to go back to, I wish I could remember it all, but I would say, you know, that's, that's a main thing is trying to keep up with things that way. That's probably the biggest thing is just to, to try to keep organized and, and do it that way. Yeah, that's funny. I would answer that question the exact same way. I have multiple lists here, try to compile them all every day. But then every one of those coaches that stops you in the hallway and says, hey, what about this or that? Just send me an email. When I get to my email, I will put it on my list and I'll put it where it needs to go. But that's funny. The exact same uh, answer there. Yeah, that's funny. I've told three people today to just put that in an email and send it to me and I'll take care of it. (laughs) You know, so it's, it's perfect that you said that. Yep, yep. And thanks a lot for sharing tips and strategies on how to make us a better athletic administrator, but also get us excited about the NADC, the National AD Conference coming up in December. I know once again, Don and I, we're ready to head north up there to Nashville. And we know that you have put in hours, your committee, the folks uh, that you work with there with the uh, the leadership in Indianapolis and the NFHS folks, y'all put in a lot of time and we're excited to capitalize on that. So thanks a lot for sharing with us today. And now we're going to get to know you a little bit better uh, with what we call our two minute drill. And Don will start us with this. Okay. And we're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. We want you to tell us first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. What was the first job you ever had ever? Uh, Waitress at Pizza Hut. Nice. What game show would you dominate? Uh, that's a hard one. Um, Disney trivia. Oh, nice. I can't even think of the game, a game show that would be, but. Fair enough. What is the, speaking of Disney, what is the biggest crowd that you have ever been in? That, that might be it. Disney. <laughs> I would, I'll second that. Yeah. Hard to be Disney. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Scooby-Doo. Ah, that's a good one. All right, we're going to play a game of over-under. So we're going to say a term. You tell us if you think it's overrated or underrated. And you can tell us why you feel that way if you want. Uh, now, here in the here in the deep south, uh, we like to use a term when we're talking about out west, dry heat. Dry heat. The term dry heat. Is that over or under? Uh Overrated. I prefer humidity. We were in Florida this summer, and I, I get, I take the humidity over the dry heat. All right. I need, I need to come experience the dry heat because that humidity can get you. All right. Next one. Over under. Hot air balloons. Oh, they're underrated. They are amazing. You got to come see the the balloon fiesta in October. All right. Now we are talking about New Mexico. Over under UFOs. 
Overrated. <laughs> All right, one last over under breakfast burritos. Underrated. They're amazing. I'll make uh, you one. Come out here. I'll make you guys one. All right. To, uh, hey, I may take you up on that one. I'm a big fan. Come uh, out in October for the Bloom Fiesta, and we'll have some breakfast burritos. Sounds like a deal. I'll tell you what now. we won't, I may have to take some, some medication to get up in that balloon, but that, that's a completely different conversation. It's it's the smoothest like ride you'll ever be on, unless you're just afraid of heights. But it's amazing. It's just like you just, you're just floating. Yeah. Pretty cool. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Okay. All right. Uh, who is the most famous person that you've ever met? Rod Stewart. Ooh. Yeah. All right. If there was a draft for your favorite chocolate candy bar, what would be your first round draft pick? Whatchamacallit. Wow. That is the second one of those that we've had. Interesting. Back to back. Now, uh, you, you kind of you alluded to this a little bit, but that was more breakfast. So if if Josh and I get on a plane, we come to your house for dinner. What's on the menu? Prime rib. Oh wow, that's good. That's good. Hey, I want to I want to uh, interrupt here. Now we said that's the second what you call it for our listeners. You're going to hear Ann's interview before you hear the other one who answered what you call it. So <laughs> if you're inter- if you're interested in what you call it, or you want to hear who. Uh, throughout what you call it as your favorite candy bar, you got to keep listening for a couple, a uh, couple more months or a few weeks here. So, uh, and that that's a that's a cool answer because Don and I were surprised the first time we heard it. So, that's a, it, it may be more of a popular candy bar than we think. All right, and last question. It's kind of our trademark question today, Coach Ann Stewart. You've been hanging with the ads, but if you could hang out with anyone, who would that be and why? Probably my grandparents, just because they've been gone for a while and I miss them. Good answer. And thank you so very much for the privilege of your time today. You've left us with some great notes and some information that's going to help make us and our listeners better. So thanks again. Thank you guys for having me. This has been fun. Well, today was a lot of fun as we got to know Miss Ann Stewart from Los Alamos High School out in New Mexico. That was our first trip to New Mexico. So we've added another state. But what we also added was another leader who has a ton of experience, uh, uh, great lessons that we could learn from. And we thank Miss Ann Stewart. Thanks, Coach, for joining us today. Uh, really got us excited about the upcoming NIAAA, NFHS, National AD Conference in Nashville as she serves on that conference advisory committee. Looking forward to going there, learning, uh, being a part of the conference that they have put together her and her committee have put together so uh, we're alongside the NFHS and NIAAA office there. So it's going to be a great time in Nashville. I know the rooms have already been sold and booked up. Uh, a lot of folks looking forward to getting out and learning and networking. So, Ann, thanks for uh, helping us get better, not just today, but also at our conference. Uh, but, you know, Ann had a lot of other things to say. And one of the things that stuck out, she talked about her mentor, Vicki. Uh, and I know from firsthand experience and just listening to Ann talk about her mentor, how much mentors mean to us. So today, I just encourage you maybe to stop when you finish this podcast here in a minute or, minute or so. Just think about your mentor. Think about what those mentors mean to you. If you do not have a mentor, maybe a young AD who doesn't have a mentor, maybe start thinking about someone that you could reach out to that could uh, meet with you monthly or or some uh, sometime periodically that could help make you a better person, a better leader and, and better uh, with your athletic profession there. So mentors are vital to our growth 
And at some point in time, we have to pay it back. So uh, being a mentee, maybe you're listening and you have folks you mentor, uh, give yourself a pat on the back and also just uh, continue to be challenged to know that that person or those people that you mentor really, really need you. So I really uh, just took that from Ann's conversation today, how important her mentor was to her and how important they are to me and and all of us. So I want to challenge everybody to maybe connect with your mentor or find a mentor. So that's the the, uh, challenge today. And thanks again for joining us. Thanks for uh, being our first guest from New Mexico, and we look forward to seeing you in Nashville. And now, before we uh, conclude this episode, we do ask that you maybe leave us a rating or review or send us a message through social media. We'd love to hear from our listeners. We know about 200 people are listening to these episodes, and we appreciate each and every one of you. We'd love to connect with you in some form or fashion. Thanks for listening. Hope it's valuable to you. And as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD. Mm -hmm.